do you want the kingdom? How badly do you want the kingdom? What are you willing to do to get it and keep it? This is the Adventure Through the Bible podcast. My name is Matt. Joining me today are your friends and mine, Karen. Hello. And Goose Egg Tracy. <laughs> Good evening. <laughs> Tracy has been a magnet for injury lately. <laughs> Telling you. I don't know how much he wants to share, but he's, well, he's no kind of a mess. It's, it's probably, I don't know, maybe 50 cent piece. Oh, that's uh, better. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's, it's super sore. But for all the our millions and millions of listeners out there, when you're working with the drill on a ladder and you set it on the top rung, just remember it's there. <laughs> or you move the ladder. Oh, ouch. <laughs> oh, that it's not fun. It's not fun. Working construction. I know, what I like I said, I've dropped things on my head and it was fortunate because then it didn't hurt anything, but... But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I saw Tracy a couple of days ago and he had a nice, he had a nice lump on his head and it didn't, yeah. it did not look fun. So not fun at all. Well, and speaking of not fun, Amy's not going to be with us. We, this is uh, we're doing a midweek recording here. And last night we had a wicked storm come through our town. I mean, it was, it was like strobe light lightning for Oh gosh, I don't know. It must have gone on for over an hour. It was so strange because there was no thunder with it. It was just lightning and rain and wind and then hail. And some places around us were getting like softball size hail. Crazy stuff last night. And Amy's, uh, as you know, Amy raises horses. And so she's out in the country and has uh, a barn with horses and she's got chickens and they've got you know, all sorts of stuff. And she sent us pictures today and things were just uh, underwater and mud got into the barn and it was a wreck. I think she's, uh, I think she's probably doing, she's either resting or just doing a little cleanup tonight. She won't be with us, but all the same, I think we will have a great discussion despite that fact. So listeners, if you have the opportunity, give her a prayer because it's going to probably take a little while to clean that up. And pray for Tracy's head as well, <laughs> because who knows how long that'll take to heal. But um, anyway, we are picking up our discussion tonight in Matthew chapter 13. Now, we've been talking, you know, we've talked a lot about the things that Jesus has been preaching and teaching over time. And as we get into Matthew 13, we get into a whole bunch of parables that Jesus was teaching. And the first one that we come across is one that is known as the parable of the sower. Now, I'm sure that among the three of us, this has always probably been through most of our lives as being brought up in the church. Um, I have a feeling this this particular parable probably was very prominent in what we were taught growing up as we were taught to uh, look towards the the second coming of Jesus and making sure that we try to be the best Christians that we can. The background of it here is that there's so many people that come to hear Jesus, I guess on one particular day that he gets in, he jumps, says, get into a boat in the water so that he can speak to everybody. I would guess getting into the boat does a couple of different things. One, it gives you a little space from everybody because they're not going to be out there in the water with you but also from what i understand water tends to carry sound really well or being over water and being able to speak from uh on water uh to a large group of people just tends to work well so now this parable he starts to preach is about a basically a farmer and he is planting seeds and the way in this case that seeds would get planted was basically you would just toss the seeds out and wherever they landed, that's where they would hopefully grow. And Jesus says that some of the seed is eaten by birds. He says some of it falls on stony ground and it springs up quickly, but then it quickly withers and dies when the sun comes out because they don't have any roots. 
Some falls among thorns and gets choked out. And then some who uh, some falls on good ground yields a crop 100 fold, some 60, some 30, he says. And he ends it with saying, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, it's clear here to me from, from some of the things that we're going to talk about that people did not understand what he was saying, which has always been a little baffling to me. Well, he's telling them to use spiritual ears instead of listening to the literal story. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Y- yeah, uh, but it also it also still makes me wonder sometimes if the people of the time simply didn't understand this kind of speech because the, because the number of times that Jesus would say things that to us seem pretty relevant or uh, uh, apparent to them would just get completely lost on them. Um, I don't know if that's potentially a cultural thing or if this is potentially a Holy spirit thing, you know, where maybe people just, weren't able to understand because the spirit wasn't giving him that. I don't know. I don't know. It's just an interesting deal for this to not be understood. And I, you know, I mean, I, you talk about that after the parable, the disciples right. come and ask him. So do you want to talk about the parable first? Or do you want to go to that part? Well, let's talk about that part first. let's go back and yeah, let's kind of do this in that order. Um, because, because yeah, the, the, the the disciples come and they're like, why do you talk in parables? And then later, then we get the explanation of the of the parable. And, you know, I suppose I should maybe get off my high horse a little bit here because maybe there's people listening that don't understand the parable. I try to remember back to when I first heard it and if I actually understood it or not. And that's hard to say. That was a long time ago. I've just maybe grown so familiar with it that maybe it just is uh, apparent to me now because I'm. You know, I, I've I've read it and heard it many times and heard it explained many times. So, um, yeah, so the disciples are, why do you speak in parables? And the answer Jesus gives is quite interesting. He says, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. Now, what's that all about? I think why? there was a reason they were called. Mm-hmm. There's a reason these guys were called. Yeah. That's, Be, that's where I'd go, that they had a they had a mission, they had a purpose. Mm-hmm. Do you think maybe they they were more open to allegorical thinking, more open to uh, not having to have something specifically spelled out for them to understand it? I think they were open to spiritual thinking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, a- allegory is not the point here. Right. Spiritual application is the point. Okay, so like if we look back at the parable of the sower, if I've never had a spiritual walk, if I've never observed other people have a spiritual walk, then it's going to mean something different. I might understand that there's an allegory being made, but I'm not going to understand the spiritual nuances of it, and certainly not if I don't have the Holy Spirit in my life. So part of it is my lived experience. What does it mean to be this kind of soil, that kind of soil? What does it mean to be the sower? What does it mean to be the seed? What does it what did the seasons of growth and rest and refreshment and harvest mean in a spiritual way? Right? Like those are all spiritual applications. And if I've if I've never walked that path or if I don't have the Holy Spirit in my life, okay, I get that there's two things being said, but I don't grasp it. I don't really grasp it. I think the disciples came from all different walks of life. They brought their own little nuances that they knew about just day-to-day living. And as far as, like, the Holy Spirit goes, it wasn't there yet. But -hmm. they had the Master there. They had Jesus there to sit there and explain it to them. Because if you look at a lot of times when he was talking, they didn't get it. Just like, you know, the rest of the world was not getting what what he was preaching about. And they had to be... They had to be taken aside and and schooled. So they had the master right there to to explain it to them. And I think, too, sometimes that's, you know, maybe that's what's missing is we need to understand that, number one, there wasn't the Holy Spirit at that point. Mm -hmm. And the only person that could really break it down for him was Jesus himself. And that's why he chose them. It's like, I'm going to pull you from every different walks of life so you have something common with the world 
and I'm going to break it down for you so you can take take it and you can, you know, just like the the parable we're doing, you could spread the seed. And but I'm here to help you. I'm I'm here to cultivate it for you right now, my disciples, because mm-hmm. you're going to have to continue this work because they don't get it. Well, and and we sit in you know modern day America, and we look back at some of the 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 things that the disciples said, the misunderstandings they had, and we kind of chuckle, like you know, like like they didn't well, get it. They they didn't get it. But they they did by the end of his life. So they were spiritually astute and ready to go for their time and place. And that was all that was all Jesus required to be able to work through them. And then we have the benefit of history and the Holy Spirit and all the things, right, that have happened since then. And we look back and we look at some of the assumptions that they made and we can, you know, we kind of maybe want to shake our heads a little bit. Like, how could they not get it? Like they're walking with the master, you know, mm-hmm. that's just, it's just our hindsight. Yeah. Well, Jesus goes on. He says, seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And he's quoting, it's, he, he starts quoting Isaiah. He says, for the hearts of this people have grown dull. They have ears, hard of hearing. And their eyes are closed. And the way they put it, they've they've grown dull. And that would that would imply to me that at some point things had been sharper, and that over time, through either lack of attention or distance, let's say, they had lost some of that edge that they had. But remember the scathing, the scathing rebuke that Jesus gave their spiritual leaders, right? Like the religious law keepers and the religious leaders themselves all have been reprimanded by Jesus. Yeah. And they're, I mean, like, what did, what did he say to the Pharisees? Like, you, you yourselves do not enter in to the kingdom mm. and you block the way to keep other people from, I mean, like, their, their leaders aren't great. And so... The top level of their society, which which was religious, which is supposed to be leading them to the Savior, is instead burdening them with useless stuff, useless trivia that takes away the heart of salvation and focuses on minutia, right? Mm-hmm. And we've seen that over and over and over. And there was probably the biggest disruption that Jesus caused when he showed up. So, first of all, the environment that they're living in isn't conducive to high spirituality. And, but, but they were somewhat tuned into it. They were hungry for it. They might not have had their brains sharpened or their hearts sharpened, but they were hungry for it. Because look how they flocked to John and look how they flocked to Jesus. So, mm-hmm. they, they might have been dulled, but they weren't dead yeah, I had a question here that I'd written down is you know asking is was this from lack of ability or lack of desire? And I guess I think it could be both. yeah, just just like today, you know, I think too, you know, just we don't like to think we're the only ones going through it, but there's always those people that are going to remain motivated that are going to go out to see John the Baptist that have that desire to want to get to know. Christ, and they want to know the redemption story, and they want to know who John is um, paving the way, you know, who's to come. So I think we're always going to have those people that are seeking Jesus. But I think, too, as the world continues to age, that we, Satan sets up a perfect perfect trap to, to lure us away by just everything that's going on around us, you know, by keeping us super busy. You know, like it says in the end times, um, men will be you know, very knowledgeable. They'll be traveling to and fro. And and to me, the to and fro is that, you know what, we just can't sit still. Mm. You know, and I think, think sometimes, you know, God is in that that still small voice that you do. You just need to take and set aside, you know, just like he said, the Sabbath. You need to shut everything down. You need to continue that communication. And I think, too, you know, like like we were saying before, I think, you know, they were caught up in the same thing, just ripping and running. Yeah. So like the rest of us, life was getting in the way and they were kind of letting it. And, you know, we're we're no 
I, you know, to be fair, we're really no better off other than having some of this hindsight and experience that they didn't have at the time. And the internet. Yeah, yeah, the internet. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which I think, too, you know, that could as well be a distraction. Even if we, like we said, we do know it and we see their pitfalls. Uh, Satan is enough to change up the game where we saw their pitfalls, but we don't see our own. And they're very similar. Yeah, and I guess I'm reminded of that quite often when I look back. And if I really am honest about it, and I think, you know, those times I'm I'm tempted to go, why didn't they get it? Why are they like that? And if I put myself in their shoes, where would I have been? And I and I have to consider that a lot of times I would have probably been right there with some of the worst of them. But so yeah, that is interesting though. You know, Isaiah had had prophesied this. That they that that these people would uh, their hearts would grow dull. They would stop hearing. They would stop seeing, or either stop trying to hear and stop trying to see. But even still, it's pretty clear then that the disciples didn't get it. They understood, like I think, like you said, Karen. They understood that there was a point being made, but they didn't understand the point. Um, which, you know, leads me to believe possibly if these guys were disciples and not getting it, what were the multitudes thinking when Jesus starts talking about scattering seed? Were they utterly confused? I suspect maybe they were, maybe that's the point. Uh, but the disciples were astute enough to think, you know what, we should ask, what's this about? And so they asked Jesus to explain it. And he he, big, he begins to explain that the seed is the word of God. And so then the seed that kind of gets thrown by the wayside, these are people who hear it, but they don't understand it, and the devil takes it away. Uh, have you ever found yourself in that position of hearing but not understanding, and then it just becomes, it's, you know, you lose interest? I suppose maybe when I was younger, I might have been in that position a little bit more. I accepted Jesus and was baptized when I was 13. And since then, I've been kind of, you know, sometimes maybe a little more, more, um, oh, what, 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 where do I live on? You know, more open than others. But I kind of wonder what time, when were, when were things presented to me that I just didn't get it and, and I lost it. And I think, we could probably all think of people in our lives where we've known that they've heard the word, but it just was lost on them. Just utterly, they were just completely devoid of any understanding of it. And it seems obvious that they were devoid of understanding of it because oftentimes of how adamantly they'll reject these things sometimes. Well, I uh, think, so you're talking about where the birds come and eat it up, right? Well, it says the, I think, yeah, because I don't know, it's it's described a little different here because it says where it's by the wayside. And so, well, uh, it yeah. along the path. So it didn't yeah. hit fertile soil. Right. Right. So the state of your heart is represented in the, the state of the soil. Right. So in this case, it didn't land on fertile soil. It landed, but there was nothing there for it to even have a chance to take. So mm -hmm. it just landed. And so then something else came and took it. And then there's the, the um, rocky soil. Rocky places where it did not have much soil. So there's heat, right? There's a little bit of dirt. There's enough, because the rocks are there, it tends to be hotter. So in the spring, this, the seeds will sprout quicker, but then they can't put down roots. And so they wither. Sun comes up, plants are scorched. They wither because they had no root. Uh, and other seeds fall among thorns, grow up and choke the plants. Other seed fell on good soil, right? So, so if I'm looking back on my life, were there times when I was exposed to truth that I needed and it didn't even fall on receptive soil? Like I just wasn't, there was truth. Somebody aimed a truth cannon at me, but I was not in a receptive place. Yeah, I can think of times. Can I think of times where... I heard something, I got excited about it, um, the seed took root quickly, right? But then I was shallow, 
right? I had stuff mixed in with my soil, so it wasn't, my soil was not good quality. So it couldn't take, it couldn't keep, it could take, but it couldn't stay and it couldn't get strong. Yes, I can think of times when that's happened. And then what's next? Let's see. The thorns, right. So that would be like, yeah, there's plenty of soil here. I'm growing all kinds of things. <laughs> mm -hmm. Maybe I'm growing a bunch of stuff I shouldn't be growing. And I'm busy. I'm growing. I'm growing all kinds of things. And there's not necessarily room for the gospel. So whatever is the most stubborn thing, the most tenacious thing growing in my heart, which is likely going to be sin rather than the gospel, right? If human nature sings true, then that's going to choke out the gospel and take precedence. And then sometimes you have good soil. It's been tilled, it's been prepared, the season is right, the temperatures are right, sower comes along, seed lands on it, off you go. Now you have a good crop. I could think of times in my life where I've been all of those. Mm -hmm. No, me too. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah, and so with it, with that, with that thought too of being able to think of times when I've been in that position, it's it's a reminder to not judge too harshly when other people are in those positions, and you know, keeping in mind that there may be times when I'm not aware that I'm in one of those positions, and or I reject something right offhand because it doesn't fit to what I've. To what I think I believe, you know, and but if I were open, maybe I would have learned something new, something that would have shifted my thought a little bit closer to truth. Who knows? You know, we live in a pretty, pretty agricultural area. And I know that it has isn't always the case with planting. But generally, when we plant, we are preparing the soil. And so I had a question on this one, too, is who who's responsible for preparing the soil in this scenario or is that even a factor to the parable maybe it's not even a factor to the parable maybe it's just this is all you're supposed to think the, the seed was cast out some places it grew some places it didn't some places it grew better than others maybe i'm i'm overthinking it when i'm wondering who's preparing the soil in the first place because that's not the point of the parable well i mean it's indirectly the point of the parable because the entire atmosphere of our life has to do with the seasons of growth and harvest. Like you don't go out and plant seeds in the off season. You, right. You don't. Like if you're an intelligent sower, you wait until the correct season. You prepare the soil and then you do the seeds. So, I mean, there's everything, everything about the process of, of, cultivation is is contained in this even if it isn't brought out so would you say then with us being the soil is it our own responsibility to prepare our own soil get rid of the rocks get rid of the wheat or get rid of the, the 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 thorns not be the trampled down pathway that isn't going to grow anything at all yes yeah i mean i, I don't think we bear sole responsibility for it in the end, we're the one that stands before the throne and yeah. says, here's the things I did. Here's why I did them. Here's my reasons. But we know that the Holy Spirit works. We know that God surrounds us with circumstance and people and exposure to things. And the Bible says that even nature itself is God's witness. And I think that's key right there is ideally, yes, you'd like to cultivate the soil. You'd like to take the hard rocks out. You'd like to prep it to be ready for the seed but sometimes you don't have those opportunities where i think that's kind of along the same lines of the story is that you know what sometimes you just need to go out there and just throw seeds wherever you can and mm -hmm. god will make up the rest he'll mm -hmm. give it the water that it needs it it'll allow it for those roots to break through the trampled down soil he will do the cultivating you know and because I think, too, once again, I think we could fall into the same Pharisees and Sadducees mistake of saying, you know what? We have to do all the work to get them salvation. And we don't. We just have to throw the seed. Mm. And like Karen said, it could be anything. It could be nature. It could be our day-to-day -day lives that, you know what? You're throwing the seed. And at the same time, just by the way you live and the way people observe you, you're cultivating that soil. 
You're softening the hard hearts. You're making people want to to take on that and let it germinate and let the word kind of grow within them just by your actions. And, you know, God is he's moving. So that that is an excellent point to remember, too, is just the job is to just cast the seed, get it out there wherever it'll go. We don't necessarily need to worry about where it lands. We don't we don't have to pick and choose. It's just just throw it out there. Well, in that same vein, then, of planting and stuff, Jesus gives another parable. Because then he just kind of goes into parable after parable after parable here. Of a man who plants wheat in his field, but then as he's sleeping, an enemy comes and plants uh, some weeds, as or as the New King James put it, uh, tares. When the wheat starts to grow and come up out of the ground, so does the weeds. And then the servants come to the ser- to the master and they say, well, should we pull the weeds? And the master says, no, because if you pull the weeds, you might pull out the wheat as well. So let it all grow. We'll separate them at the harvest and then we'll burn the weeds and then we'll gather the wheat into the barn. We get an explanation of that later, but I think we can talk about it now. Because again, the disciples are asking Jesus to explain. And he tells them how the farmer, the sower, is the son of man. In this case, that would be him, Jesus. The field is the world. The seeds are, as he puts it, sons of the kingdom. The tares are sons of the wicked one. The enemy who planted the weeds is the devil. The harvest, he says, is the end of the age. And the reapers are the angels. And so there's a few things for us to unpack here with this. Jesus planting wheat. He's wanting a good crop. He's wanting a good harvest. He wants quality growth, um, like any farmer would. And but that's what that's where he's putting himself in this. One thing that's really interesting to me here, it's a little scary, honestly, is when the weeds start to come up. When we go to the explanation, the angels are ready to rip them out. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Wouldn't you be if you were an angel and you could see all that happening from that point of view? Woo. Ah, I suppose I would. I suppose I would. But it, you know, it should show us somewhat of what danger sin is to us, where, you know, angels, whatever they may be, whatever they may look like, being ready to let us go and take action and let's take care of the problem, knowing that at times in my life, <laughs> I've been the problem. That is a little daunting to consider that these otherworldly beings are there going, if if it weren't for Jesus holding them back, they would have come and just started ripping stuff out of the ground. You know, mm-hmm. let's go, let's get rid of it, which is really largely, I think it's, you know, kind of the way the universe is intended to exist. Light and dark can't exist in the same place. You know, sin and goodness can't exist in the same place. The only reason that sin continues then from what we can hear here, see here is because Jesus is saying, no, wait, we can't, if we, if you just start tearing everything up, you're just going to make things worse. So, so yeah, this, don't. this earth, this earth isn't the place where we get all good. And, and I think like, let's think about earthly ministers. They're just people, right? They, they feel like they have a calling and maybe they're living up to it and maybe they're not but let's just say they're not like if you if you want to step into the role of being a spiritual leader to people and then you're careless with it or you're ugly with it you're actually like wrong or evil with it or you take advantage i mean i i've been around a minister in my life who thought he could put his hands on me when no one was around Mm. so He did it to me, but guess who else he did that to? I was the one who spoke up, and I'm glad I did, because then six other women spoke up. But one of those women was brand new to the church. Mm. And that's how the pastor was acting? See? Mm -hmm. That's a tear, right? It's in there. It's in the crop. That's an individual soul. God's trying to save him. And yet at the same time, that human being in that moment is acting as a tear. That could be the thorns that chokes out this woman's 
spiritual growth when she comes into the church. Mm-hmm. You know, those are, that's tough. Does Jesus still try to save that man? Yes. Does he also go after that lost woman who left the church? Yes, he goes after her as well. And then in the Bible, he says some very firm things about how you can't be a spiritual leader and not be not live up to that calling. Right. So we're I, I think that humanity and the world are complex enough that you don't here on Earth. I don't think we get to say good or bad. There's mm-hmm. too many unknowns. And even in the course of one human's life, too many moments of mix. Like, mm-hmm. I, I could probably look back on my life and pick out some moments, some shiny, bright moments where I know my heart was true. Everything about me was in the right place at the right time. I was doing what God called me to do. And yet, in my same lifetime, I can look at times when I didn't. Same person. Mm-hmm. Did I cause any damage to to people? I don't know. That were in my sphere of influence? I don't know. You know, I, I wonder, too, just like kind of Karen saying, too, is that you know, this this might be a stretch, but the way I have it written down here is that, that the soil can be God. That, you know, there's times where the weeds and, you know, the product grow together. You know, the bad thorns can choke out the good ones. Or, you know, is it enough to put a squeeze on them, but still there's enough soil there that it still continues to grow? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It doesn't necessarily have to be the biggest, strongest stock that's there, but it's still going to continue to grow, even though it it is getting, you know, other influence, the tears upon it, it, it can still grow. And just like she said, I, I think it's so complex that we can't worry about that and try to go through and, and make judgment on every single person that's there. God's going to do that. And it'll come at the harvest time where he's going to be the judge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The point of a parable is to be is to sound very simple, but as we are able to break it down, we can realize that at times in our lives we have been in every one of these situations. Mm-hmm. We found ourselves as bad soil. We found ourselves as a tear. We found ourselves as wheat. We found ourselves in good soil. You know, and. And sometimes, so, we sometimes we get to be the sower. Sometimes we even get to be the seed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and so it's not necessarily the primary thing here, but I think some of this is a reminder to us, again, don't be judging other people for what you think you see in their lives because what you see today may not be the same thing tomorrow, may not have been the same thing yesterday. Yeah. The next parable we're told about, Jesus talks a lot about about things of agriculture here. He talks about how the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. I love Mu- mustard. I love mustard, too. Good stone ground. Mm. Mm-hmm. Not that yellow gunk that... Eh, yellow gunk can be good on a hot dog now. Yeah, I don't mind that either. <laughs> it's, it's, all, it, it's all good. I do. I'm with you. I love mustard. Unfortunately. We're very distracted. <laughs> or we're hungry one or the other <laughs> <laughs> i just i just like food so you know <laughs> my inner fat kid <laughs> <laughs> the me <laughs> but um, a mustard seed is very very small you know i talked about stone ground mustard and you get the mustard seeds in there and so you can get an idea how small a mustard seed is he says how it talks about how a mustard seed is small and he even refers to it almost as like the smallest of the seeds, which isn't exactly true. But it's not even it, a little bit true. No, Gracious. There's, yeah, there's much smaller seeds than a mustard seed. But a mustard seed. You never seed, tried to plant carrots? This stuff is. Mm. <laughs> but that that small little seed will grow into something at least. He says a tree. I mean, if we were to look at it, we probably wouldn't necessarily think tree. I mean, I'm looking out my window. It's still bright enough outside. I can see my, oh, 20, maybe 30 foot tall pine tree, maybe a blue spruce out in the front yard. And uh, it's not that kind of a tree, but it it's big enough that a bird can either come perch in it, rest underneath it in the shade. It's a It becomes a fairly substantial looking 
plant at some point. And he says, this is like the kingdom of heaven. Now, we don't get a specific. There's, in fact, for the several, uh, pro, I was going to say prophecies, uh, parables after this, we don't get specific explanations of these. And so, and a lot of them are very, very short parables. And so this small seed growing into something larger and that being a picture of the kingdom of heaven. How do you think that works? Keeping in mind, when we're talking about the kingdom of heaven, we're not talking about a place. We're talking about a movement. We're talking about a belief system. We are talking about lifestyle. Um, how is it that that relates to this very small seed that grows into this large-ish, large, in comparison, tree, if you will? <laughs> See, I think I think that I think part of what it's talking about here is that things like faith don't have to be huge to produce. Even, you know, Jesus said, if you had even the smallest amount of faith, if you had. Well, it's not here, but it's somewhere else. He says, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed. And I was looking in other places. He must be just a different allegory with a mustard seed. But if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say, move that mountain. And it, and it moves, you know, and so I think part of what he's saying is that you're, if small faith can grow and small actions can grow. So this the mustard seed thing makes more sense to me when I combine it with the next story, the next parable. So okay. I know how to bake bread. Mm -hmm. So this one speaks to me. So this is the parable of the of yeast. So the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Okay. So if I make what, so I, I buy um, professional baker's yeast mm -hmm. and one teaspoon is enough to raise one loaf of bread, one teaspoon. Okay. So it takes about three, three to four cups of flour to make that same loaf, but only one teaspoon of yeast. Mm -hmm. So if that's the comparison, a little bit goes a long ways because it's pervasive, if that makes sense. Yeah. Now, I don't have any personal experience with mustard, so that one's kind of like theoretical to me. But the yeast one, the yeast one I get. Mm -hmm. It doesn't take much but it makes it expand, makes the bread expand. Yep. It could start off I, small, but ends mm -hmm. up with a lot. See, I was curious because you, you mentioned some actual measurements there. You said, what, 60 pounds of flour? Can yeah, I? that's what it says here, yeah. Yeah, so in my new King James, all it said was uh, three measures, and I, I, didn't, I didn't look to see what three measures was, but a note in my Bible said that, that the amount of yeast uh, – how did it put it? The amount of yeast was exorbitant here. Uh, he said they said her labor would produce enough bread to feed more than a hundred people. So I was kind of curious where they were coming up with that, but I mean, sixty pounds of of uh, of flour is not really a small amount. But if you're putting the yeast into it, which is a relatively small amount of product in comparison to the larger amount of flour. Then raising the bread, which if anybody who's baked bread like this has seen how that works and, and, and that, that dose rises up, um, how the small amount makes the bigger amount even bigger. Um, where was I going with that? Uh, the, the, the small influence, the small influence having such big impact. I think that's where I'm, that's where I'm coming to from it. Is that kind of what you were thinking, Karen? Yeah, it's, it's, um, do you remember that part where, so in the Bible, uh, yeast is also referred to as leavening, right? Mm -hmm. Leaven. And yep. do you remember that part where Jesus says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees? Yeah. So evil, evil is the same way. A little bit goes a long way. If you stir it in, in a big mix of something else, you'll find it pervasively throughout making itself grow. So 
good news, the kingdom of heaven works the same way. Yeah, and I find it encouraging because as a Christian who recognizes that I need to be doing something for the kingdom, not for my salvation, but just because if I'm going to be a part of the kingdom, I need to be a part of the kingdom. But I don't have to do a ton. I only have to do what I'm able and and God can take it. He can take that and make it grow. I don't have to have the whole burden on on me. It's just the little things I'm able to do matter. They make a difference and they make a difference in the larger whole. And and that's a great thought to have uh, coming from Jesus. Uh, we're told here in the middle of all this stuff that Jesus, he said basically said that he only taught in parables at this from here. Um, interesting how how he wouldn't just come right out saying things, but he would use parables to make people think it's like. You know, if you really want to know what I'm what I'm saying, you'll think about this and it'll become a, it'll become apparent to you over time. Um, so it's just interesting that that he would choose that this is the way he was going to teach through these stories to illustrate something rather than just coming right out. Spoon feeding it. This is what I'm saying. This is what I mean. Here you go. And then we like little birdies open up our mouths and let him put it in. But there, um, I think that these images, these images are taken from their day-to-day life. And so I think it gives them anchor points to remember what he said. I think that's an important part of it. Mm-hmm. Well, some of the other parables he talks about, a couple of them here that are, well, let me think here. At least two of these here right away are very related to each other, I think. He, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. With when a man finds it, he hides it, and then he goes and he buys the field. The implication here being, I think that whatever that who that the field didn't belong to him, and so anything that was in it, he really couldn't take it. And I would so, like to know why he was digging in a field that wasn't his. That's that, I know. that is an excellent question. Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, but the point is, though, he was in the field looking around and finds this amazing thing and goes, I got to have that. I really want that. I'm not going to steal it, though. So I am going to go sell everything I've got so that I can buy this field and then whatever's in the field is mine. Uh, And so that is that is like a a train of thought for us to consider when we're considering the kingdom. It's like, do you want the kingdom? How badly do you want the kingdom? What are you willing to do to get it and keep it? Remember, was it at our in our last was it in our last episode or the episode before when we were talking about how uh John no Jesus said in relation to John the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and oh how did that go and violent men uh, let me see if i can find it in my notes again it was something like the violent taken by men violence, taken by but, violence. yep mm-hmm. it's something like that something like that and i think that is very similar to what we're talking about here um i can't find it now but um similar 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 to what we're talking about here where this man really, really wants it, and he is going to do what he's got to do to take it. Uh, maybe it's not in that imagery of violence, but it's in an imagery of determination. It's an imagery of recognizing value um, and the value of what of what he's trying to get being worth far more than everything else that he has obtained up to that point. That is what Jesus is saying should be our attitude towards the kingdom of heaven, to be a part of it. It should permeate us. It, it should it should be our like our sole desire, our sole drive, or or at least our primary desire and drive. And everything else is secondary to that. 
That's what Jesus is saying here on this, I think. The next parable is very similar. A man finds this pearl. He's out searching and he finds a pearl. And so he goes, he really wants that pearl. So he goes and sells everything and buys the pearl. Again, it's it's two separate parables saying the same thing. You want it. You're going to get it. You're going to do what you have to do to get it because it is that important to you. It is that desirable to you. It is... It is absolutely the most valuable thing in your area. So do what you got to do to get it. The next parable is a little bit different. It's about a net getting cast into the sea and it catches all kinds of fish. Even the clean and the inedible ones catches all sort of stuff. And then at the at the end of the of the fishing time, the good fish get gathered and the bad fish get thrown away so very similar to the wheat and the tares parable uh we want to be the good fish who's gathered not the bad fish tossed out you know whatever they did with them the idea being get caught up into it be the ones be the one that god wants to keep be the one that is good and 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 uh worth keeping and at this point jesus says to the disciples have you understood all these things and the disciples say yes. And so I, you know, I wonder what the total context is of these of these parables being told. Was he telling them all at once? Are they just sort of being recorded and written down as Matthew is remembering them? You know, were these things that Jesus taught several times in several places? And now when Jesus is asking the disciples if they get it, because uh, he hasn't. We haven't seen the explanations. We haven't seen the questions at this point. And the disciples are like, yes, we get it. So maybe because Jesus teaches him in in um, parables so often that now the, the disciples are used to it. And now they look for the allegory. They try to they try to see through the allegory to understand what's what's going on there. Well, the parable and, of the net, this one's this one's a little bit different because he immediately draws out the illustration from practical day-to-day life. And then he immediately draws out the illustration for how it's going to be at the end of time. Like he doesn't even, so I was kind of curious about that one. And I know it doesn't say, but it's, but it's almost like he only told that one to the, to, to the disciples. Possible. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Possible. It, it's just a little bit different that way. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, are we are we interpreting disciples here as apostles uh, or are we just or is this, you know, lots of people who are following him around? Well, I'm I'm interpreting it as apostles because they're the ones who came to him earlier in the chapter and said, you know, why do you teach this way? Yeah. Yeah. And we know that a lot of them were professional fishermen. And so it would have been a, a rather poignant story to relay to them to get a point across. And they would have, they would have been able to understand that a bit that, you know, when you're going to throw a net in, you're going to get all kinds of stuff and some of it you're going to want, some of it you're not, but you don't try to, in the middle of your fishing expedition, pick and choose you. Yeah. It's you at just the end. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's all there. So, so the disciples are starting to get it. And then a phrase that Jesus uses here, it's kind of an interesting phrase. Therefore, every scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out of his treasure things new and old. And I was, I kind of was taking that to mean, we're going to take this story of something that you do every single day, and we're going to pull something new out of it. And so when somebody has written down something that God has relayed, understand that it's going to be in a fashion that you will understand the surface level of it and there's going to be more to it deeper down. So that's the new and the old. Yeah, that's kind of how I understand that too. I guess I think of this as like, there's that text that says the the word of God is... It's referred, you know, the living word. Mm-hmm. And uh, what is it? It's in Hebrews. The word of God is, and I got that. Now I'm going to have to look it up because I'm going to draw a blank on what that says. But it's in Hebrews 4. And 
it says the word of God is alive. And the new as well as old, that strikes me as, as you go, well, back to what we were talking about with the parable of the, of the sower. As you go through your life, you slowly live out all those phases of soil, all those phases of readiness. And then you find yourself, all of a sudden, you're called on to be the sower. This is your opportunity. It's time for you to throw out the seed, like the Holy Spirit puts you in a place and tells you, there, go plant right there. Go plant, you know. And mm-hmm. so and so, as time passes, you understand the story with new depth because you've changed. So the mm-hmm. gospel, you know, the gospel's still there. The original understandings of it are still there. But as you change, you get more out of it. That's kind of mm. how I understood that. Yeah, I can see that too. Yeah, yeah. There, the this, those nuances as you go through life and your perspectives change, and uh, you can go back to these old stories, and sometimes you go, "Oh wow, there's a new layer of that I never understood before," which is, you know, it's it's a good lesson to us too to study the Bible throughout our lives and go back and look at things that we've studied in the past because those old stories bring out new nuances for us just like these stories that these guys would have been familiar with the concept would bring out different concepts concerning uh, the kingdom of heaven and spirituality so jesus is uh i'm sort of guessing that maybe he as he traveled around he told these these stories i don't know i don't know if he i don't know if he just sat there one night with them and just uh, you know parable after parable or just as they were walking from place to place, he would tell them these parables. And kind of like you were pointing out, Karen, maybe it was specifically to the disciples, less so to the multitudes. Because if it seems to me like if Jesus is talking to the multitudes and speaking only in parables they don't understand, that almost seems like a wasted effort. But then as I'm saying that, I'm thinking of casting out the seed wherever it goes. So maybe he did. Maybe he did preach these things to people all over the place. It's hard, it's hard to say, but at least we have them. We can look at them and, and glean truth from them. Yeah, I think they're, I think they're good. I mean, I'm, I don't live, I don't live out any of these lifestyles, but I understand it. And I mean, I, my understanding of the parables has definitely grown in depth over the years. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, like I was talking about at the very beginning, the, the, the uh the sower well and the wheat and the tares one too i remember i remember as a as a kid being almost i won't say terrified but it made me nervous i remember thinking which one am i which one am i which one am i going to be you know <laughs> but now right. un- but now understanding that you know what you've been both of them <laughs> not an end result it's a phase of life if you're normal yeah yep well through all this teaching, then, did Jesus, oh, I don't remember, one of the Gospels said he was led in the Spirit to go back to Nazareth. <laughs> and he goes and teaches in their synagogue. And there, now we get, a, we get part of this is really cool because we get a little bit of insight into Jesus' family. But at the same time, it's kind of sad because of the way he gets treated in Nazareth. Yeah. Because everybody knows, they're like, but this is just Jesus. His mom is Mary. He's the son of that carpenter, Joseph. Um, his so, bro- I love their, their first sentence. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Uh-huh. Is his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. It's like, where did he come up with this stuff? That's sort of the way I see it, you know, but, but at the same time, they're saying that while seeing things that he does and, and, um, you know, we're told he doesn't do a whole lot there in the town because they don't believe him. You know, they don't believe in him because he's the carpenter's kid. Yeah. Says um, they took offense at him. <laughs> yeah. And I, I get what they're saying because. You know, how often do we have a familiarity with somebody and they come up with some new idea and just be like, what, what are you talking about? You know, who, who are you to tell me, you know, you, you grew up right here next to me, or you've worked in the same place as me, or we live, you know, any number of things. I get it. I get what, I get what's happening, 
Yeah, get it. there was this one time, and I knew this guy named Matt, and then <laughs> all, of a sudden, all of a sudden, I was like, oh, yeah, Matt wants to have a podcast. Oh, okay, he's getting fancy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll say this, and who knows, maybe I'll put my foot in my mouth, and maybe <laughs> some people, maybe some people will write in and prove me wrong, but I don't think we have very many people from my church the church that you and I, you you used to attend and Tracy and I still attend I don't think there's very many people from that church that listen to this podcast because when I talk about it to people I get the glazed over look in the eyes they the what <laughs> <laughs> and I ask sometimes I was like how many know I have a podcast and one of the last times I was I don't remember I was up front at the church for some reason how many of you know I have a podcast and a lot of hands went up, and I was actually surprised. A lot of people knew that I had it. I well, shouldn't. Did you ask the follow-up question? How many of you listen? <laughs> <laughs> I, I know of at least I know of some friends who listen when they go on road trips. There so you go. down the road, when uh, uh, Cher and Eric, when you're listening to this in about 50 years, you'll, <laughs> <laughs> you'll 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 know that you just got a shout out. And I know of at least one other woman at the church who came to me one time and said she listens to the podcast. And I was very grateful and thankful for that. Uh, if some of you are, you know, if some of you are, are listening this and I and I'm wrong, write me an email. And let me know. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> but I I but I, I I get it because it seems like sometimes you put effort out and the people local. You just can't seem to reach them. But people that you know a little less might be a little more receptive to it. Totally. It's a funny thing. You would think that familiarity might breed a little more trust. But no, then no, I'm saying the this. Goes, familiarity breeds contempt. Well, yeah. Yeah, That's... I know. I know that. And I'm saying that as, as a guy who has raised two boys. And those boys do not trust me in anything. <laughs> 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 I'll give advice and they just look at me like, what are you talking about, old man? Yeah, you don't know. didn't know anything. Yeah, you don't know anything. But that's, like, huh? actually really good, that's actually a really good example. Like, when I, was, when I was raising kids, I always made sure that there were other adults involved in their life. Mm -hmm. Because I needed someone other than me giving the instruction. Because they weren't going to take me very seriously. Like, they'd be like, oh, yeah, that's mom's, yeah, that's her soapbox. There she goes. Yeah. But if but if other adults in their life that they respected said the same thing, and and there you go. And I'm not, I wasn't even trying to be a prophet. I was trying to be a mother. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and mm -hmm. so, so here's Jesus, and he shows up. Uh, who was it? Was it, um, was it Nathaniel that said, Has, does anything good come out of Nazareth? Right. <laughs> was it Nathaniel? Oh, I don't remember right off. Anyway, it was when the, when the first disciples were being called, his reaction when he found out that it, Jesus was Jesus of Nazareth, he was like, oh, does anything good come out of Nazareth? Okay, mm -hmm. so then Jesus tries to go home, and he gets a bunch of lip and a bunch of attitude, and like, oh, well, aren't you fancy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and it's funny to me, because they talk, you know, they talk about how he, he heals a few people who are sick, yeah, yeah. Um, but nobody's nobody nobody listens to him. Now I looked into Luke, and we'll probably talk about this. Oh gosh, when will we talk? We'll we'll get to this eventually. But in Luke chapter four, this story is relayed again. I mean, I'm looking at my chart here. Um, I think it was Luke, but this is this is the time when Jesus is reading from Isaiah that prophecy that he claims. Oh, yeah. Isaiah, what is it, 61 or something? Yeah, it's Isaiah 61. Let me turn to that real quick. Luke chapter 4. It is chapter 4, yeah. And it's, um, so it starts in verse 14. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. 
He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, today, the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the local kid is saying, hey, you know that prophecy about the Messiah and about he's going to do all these great things? Yeah, that's me. <laughs> and the locals go, what? You know, yep. uh, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah right. You're right. Uh, and so, like I said, I, I sort of get it. Because if I put myself in their shoes, where would I have been in that context at that time? Would I would I have stood up and go, that's the Messiah, or would I have been like, right? I've known him since he was in diapers. All right, I changed your diapers once. <laughs> yeah, you know, right. and I I think that's wherever you go though, because you know you have a we tend to do the same things in that kind of judgmental fashion because we have a history on the person. So mm-hmm. like something they see, you know, most of the time people will be like, oh, I knew him when he was small, or I remember when he threw a rock through, you know, the plate glass window or, you know, that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. I think that's what distracts them from seeing, you know, what's going on. Yeah. So I looked up that text in Hebrews that I was talking about, about the word of God being alive. Uh-huh. And here's, so it is, it's Hebrews 4 and it's uh, verse 12. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit joints and marrow it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart mm. that's the one i was thinking of mm-hmm. that immediately makes me think of in revelation where jesus comes with a sword in his mouth coming from his mouth mm. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we can i think we're intended to relay it to that with with that sword being the word of god and uh yeah being that double-edged sword and being able to uh, uh, it can be it can be dangerous if you're at the wrong end of it. But yeah, we're told that Jesus wasn't able to do much in the town because of the unbelief of the people. Uh, he healed a few. Mark tells us that he healed a few sick people, but ultimately was not to do much. And you know what? There's another one that really should be sort of a comforter to us if we don't feel like our ministry is doing very much because even Jesus himself got rejected in his hometown and wasn't able to do very much. And if we find ourselves in the same position, we can go, yeah, Jesus had the same problem. I'm in good. I'm in good. <laughs> I mean, I'm in good stead here. We're probably okay. Any other thoughts on parables or teenage kids who don't listen to their parents? Well, I got all kinds of thoughts about that. But... Oh yeah. Living it, living it. <laughs> Horrible creatures. <laughs> Horrible creatures. Uh, you know, I did, I I really was, I did kind of find it was interesting that we get the names of Jesus' brothers and were confirmed that he had sisters, plural. Yeah. So that is interesting. <laughs> and, uh, oh, we could go down a big old rabbit hole on that one because some people try to say that either, well, they try to say that those kids all belong to Joseph and not Mary because there's some who believe that Mary never did um, never, I think maybe never did have relations with, with, with Joseph. Um, what? why would anyone think that uh, the rest of their lives? Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know. I'm not in that camp, <laughs> but I know that some people believe that Mary stayed pure through her entire life. Um, but, uh, uh, but I, yeah, I don't know. I thought it was interesting because. Sorry, Karen, but I never really considered that Jesus had sisters, really. But um, I do. I know. I'm sorry. But I do find the patriarchy. Yeah. (laughs) I did find it interesting, though, that he had sisters, plural. And so, you know, this was a big family that he was a part of. Uh, And it's, you know, it always makes me consider what was that? What was that family dynamic like? You know? Growing up knowing, believing know, that your brother was a product of God himself. 
I don't know. I don't know. It's just something. It's a lot. It's a lot to take in. A lot to think about. Just, just out of just a curiosity aspect. What was it like to, as a mother, to raise this boy that, uh, that you know, you knew that that the father was God Himself, or being Joseph, and you know, your essentially stepson is the product of God Himself, and I don't know. Very interesting. You know, what was it like as little kids playing with your brother? What was it like growing up and everybody getting careers and seeing the, what the direction your brother is going? Uh, it's very, very, very interesting stuff to consider on that. All right. Well, parables, things to think about, thing, ways to, you know, it's probably a good lesson for us in, you know, studying scripture in general. Don't just look at the surface. Look to see what else is there. Look to, you know, look for greater understanding. Always pray for understanding, just like. Just like the disciples asked Jesus because they had him right there. Uh, but, you know, we have the Holy Spirit, which we will get to when we get into Acts. Eventually, we'll get a little understand more understanding of that. But ask. Don't be afraid to ask what something means in the Bible. And I have every confidence that you'll get an answer. It may take a little while. It may take a little study. Uh, lots of contemplation, but over time, it, things will be revealed to you. And as your life goes on and you study it more and more, you'll probably learn more and more from it. We got some fun miracles coming up. What are we doing next? Are we doing Matthew 14 or are we? Next, we are going to move. We are going to actually back up to Matthew 10 and possibly get into Matthew 14. It just depends on how how much I know I am, too. I really don't understand why the chronology bounces around so much in Matthew. Um, but the next thing that we would be reading is Matthew 10, because Luke 8 and Mark 4 through 5, we've already largely covered through other things we've read. That would be the next thing on the list as I'm looking at it here. And then Matthew 10 is the next thing in the chronology, which is when it's like apostles are named and sent out. Yeah, sending out the 12. Mm-hmm. And then when we get to... Um, Matthew 14, then we get to something we tried to talk about a couple weeks ago, but realized that we were jumping ahead, which is when John the Baptist gets uh, gets his head cut off. So and uh, that's a ooh, that's a doozy of a story. So it just depends on how much we get done next week when we talk about Matthew 10, if we're able to move into Matthew 14 or if that'll be the following week. But uh, that's where we will be heading. Oh, be heading. Look what I did. No pun intended. <laughs> oh, aren't I a good human being? <laughs> you just lost your head for a minute. Uh, <laughs> we need to stop now. <laughs> Indeed, we do need to stop. And so with that, <laughs> remember, please, you can reach out to us at attvpodcast at theadventure.org. We would love interaction any any insights you feel like you have any questions you might have uh just tell us how your day is going let you know tell me how i'm an awful person with the way i treat karen whatever you know yeah tell him that there see karen wants you to give an email too even if you don't want to give me an email you could give an you you can write an email on karen's behalf We'll, we'll take that too so Write to us at attvpodcast at theadventure.org. Check us out on Facebook. Uh, Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. And please share that podcast with, with your friends and family. And we look forward to talking to you again next time. Thanks for listening.